Welcome back to the Everyone's A Football Critic Podcast with me, Zach, and as always, my co-host, Cal. Callum, it's Euros Day. How are we feeling? Mixed. I uh, finished university yesterday, so I'm a little little worse for wear this morning, but always excited to record a podcast with you, Zach. Uh, absolutely. Dragging you out of bed at <laughs> 10 a.m. to get this done. Um <laughs> But, yes, um, exciting. I'm looking forward to it. I think the um, Turkey-Italy game tonight should be a really interesting one to kick things off. I think that will be two pretty expansive, two of the more expansive teams in the tournament going at it. So it should be a lot of fun. It should be a lot of fun. Um, so, obviously, yesterday we did our run-through run of all the groups um, in the tournament. Had a little bit of a talk about how we expect those groups to finish some of the key players in some of the teams there and some of the uh, the tactical setups, just a little bit of an overview. So if you haven't checked that out yet, make sure you do. Uh, that'll be on your podcast feed now. Um, and today we are going to be looking exclusively at England, giving a bit of a rundown of what we think is going to happen in Group D, um, what we think Southgate's going to do with his team, what we'd do with our team, and just some of the key issues. Um, but first, I think we should probably just have a little bit of a run-through of the Romania game the other day. It's a little bit dated now, but um, we'll just we'll just talk through some of the key themes there. Cal, you didn't watch it, did you? No, I was actually uh, playing five-a-side, <laughs> trying to get into that right-back role for Gareth Southgate, if he, just in case he needs another. Just in um, case. I sort of... I, I've picked up on, like, what happened, but I, I obviously I haven't watched the game. I haven't seen much other than the two penalty incidents yeah which I guess are the the only real talking points yeah pretty much I mean it was a pretty it was a pretty bland game another one that was fairly disappointing I think from an England perspective we've got two wins in these warm-up friendlies but no convincing performance um particularly um some of the some of the key concerns for me was I think Tyro Mings is looking really shaky at the back at the moment there was a couple occasions where he was caught out position he stepped up too quickly to follow a man and left space in behind uh, there was an occasion where he actually miscontrolled the ball and let a uh, Romania player get in behind him which wasn't punished but could have been punished if it was a better team and a better player um, so I think that's a bit of a concern and I think as we'll talk about when it when we get to uh, talking about what we think Southgate's going to do against Croatia and beyond um, we'll probably mention just to touch on the fact that I think the form of Tyrone Mings is now a problem that Southgate's going to have in his mind when selecting players. Um, so I, th- I think that I think that's problematic because I think you probably just shouldn't be taking a player that you're kind of having to... It's not like having a squad where you have to account for the fact that maybe one of your centre-backs isn't that great. You know, this is a national team. You should really have a pretty strong squad all the way through. It should be your best players. Um so that's a shame. You know your team well enough by now to not have brought him in the first place would be uh, my complaint. Absolutely, I think, and I think we we both we both had some concerns about that because I understand Southgate not taking players that haven't been a part of an England setup yet. But there's no excuse for not having involved some of the talented centre backs that are of uh, English nationality um, from including them in one of the squads over this past year. I think we both agree that the likes of Tamori, Konza, I mean, White's gone now, but he hadn't been involved before. Um, all, all should have been getting a uh, a look in in one of those squads during this 
during this year and then at least you would have had the option of taking one of those but it is a concern but I don't I don't think Mings will be too close to the team um, but then again we will see um, I thought uh, once again I think Grealish was probably the bright spark last night uh, I mean he he's doing a lot of nice stuff on the ball without really creating too much but I'm not sure that's particularly his fault um, but he does look like one of our, our more sort of dynamic ball carriers but him playing as the 10 with Rashford out on the left and Sancho on the right it was just too many runners uh, sorry too many players that wanted the ball to feet all the time rather than anyone trying to look to get him behind the back line so I can see Southgate probably preferring going with at least one conventional winger just to try and stretch the back line if that's going to happen because otherwise I don't think you get the most out of someone like Grealish dropping deep to get the ball to feet or coming in field unless you have someone on the other flank or on one of the flanks or both of the flanks if you play Grealish as the 10 trying to get him behind and pull those defenders back so that he actually has some space to work in otherwise he's just sort of turning into a crowd of players so um, I think getting that that sort of three that are going to be playing in behind Kane if we do go with the um, 4-2-3-1 or I guess the, the two wide players in the 3-4-3 three, three. getting that balance right I think is going to be really important and I don't think we quite got that right last night the other thing was Johnston in goal really good shot stopping terrible distribution um, so I think Pickford is very much very much number one going into going into this tournament it'll be interesting to see whether Johnston or Henderson are number two but I guess within theory neither of them will probably play uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin really struggled to get on the ball uh, at all looked very isolated up top um, and just didn't really do enough I think to get into the game he doesn't do the same as what Kane does uh, not that there would have really been room for him to be dropping back to be honest but yeah I do wonder whether this is maybe just the way that a lot of these games are going to go whether we're just looking to wear teams down and then try and nick something from a, a set piece like we did with the penalty but yeah we'll see um, but yeah obviously the, the, the big talking point I think after the game was the Henderson penalty incident so what what have you heard about that then, Callum? And um, what are you thinking? Yeah, so so my understanding of it is Calvert Lewin won the penalty and then stepped up to take it. Uh, Henderson then pulled rank and came in and said, "Right, no, I'm taking it." And then oh, I'm not sure if he missed it or it was saved, um, but saved. didn't score it crucially. And yeah, I don't. It's an interesting one because I just. I don't understand why he did it. I don't see from... Unless he's kind of... Un unless he's the whatever choice penalty taker. I kind of... I don't see much benefit to it. And I think it potentially undermines the argument of having him in the squad just for his... I don't know. Roy Keane, Roy Keane said um, yesterday, what does he do magic tricks? Mm -hmm. Like, that, that sort of having him for that like positive attitude... It kind of undermines it if there's play other players in the squad are going to be kind of annoyed at him for doing things like that. And I'm I'm a big Jordan Henderson fan. He he's if he's fully fit, he's one of the first names on the team sheet. He's by far England's best defensive midfielder. Even if if he's going to be fit for the sort of knockout stages, not necessarily the groups, I'd still say it's worth bringing him. But it's definitely kind of it does it gets rid of all the sort of arguments of he's a really positive influence round because he is I'm sure he is but if that's the reason you're there then you can't be doing things like that yeah uh, I think that's fair because we, we, uh, 
as you say, like we are both very positive on Jordan Henderson, and I think I was probably a little. I think it's probably fair to say I was a little less warm on the idea of taking Henderson if he's just not fit than probably you were. I think you you were quite quite happy to say, well, yeah, if if he's going to be fit for a period of time, he's worth having. And I my concern is that if he's not fit for the group stage, then how match fit can he be? For the knockout stage, um, that that's my concern. But I don't know how he feels. I don't know what Ga- uh, Gareth is seeing in training. So maybe he will come out flying um, wh- when the time is right. And obviously, getting forty-five minutes against Romania is a step in the right direction. Maybe he can tick over with a couple more forty-fives in the group stage. But obviously, you, you can't really afford to be carrying players in a group stage. You know, these are these are difficult games. But I, I agree, because I, 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 I watched the game, so I saw the, the incident unfold. And it's clear that for the first penalty, Rashford t- took it. So it's clear that Rashford is the, at least on that pitch at that moment, he was top ranked to take penalties. So maybe he's second behind Kane, or maybe it was just somebody else that might be ahead of Rashford wasn't on the pitch. And then it was clear that I think Calvert-Lewin, once Rashford had gone off, was the penalty taker on the pitch. And I think for Henderson who actually was wearing the captain's armband, wasn't he? Um, I, yeah, because when, uh, when Rashford went off, I assumed that Henderson took it. But either, either way, he's, a, um, he's the key leadership figure, I, I think, pro- probably more vocal than Harry Kane is in the dressing room, to be honest. Um, for him to pull rank like that purely because, let's be honest, it was for, it was for the selfish reason of, I haven't scored an international goal. I'm just coming back from fit, uh, from injury and need to get fit for the Euros. I could use the confidence boost, and I think that's I think that's silly for one of the leaders in the dressing room to be kind of undermining a coach's plan and a hierarchy that's in place for penalty taking for selfish reasons. And I think that's a shame, and I do wonder whether I'm sure it won't affect him. I'm sure it won't affect the players. I'm sure everyone would have had a chat about it. But I do think it, you know that this was a, a week away from kicking off a, a major tournament I just uh, I don't think that was necessary um, and I think it's a, I think it's a shame because I think it puts a dampener on the fact that it was really nice to see Jordan Henderson back on the football pitch because um, I think he is such an important player for England and he'd be so useful to have if he's fit and firing and in a good place but I don't I don't think there's too too much else to say on that but hope, hopefully it's all resolved and Jordan Henderson is in a good place and hopefully we'll be fit enough to get some minutes in the tournament yeah Definitely. Just quickly, what do you think about um, Ben White being called up? Because I, 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 I understand why it's happened. I think it's a very much a Mings-related decision. Yeah, I think I think as we spoke about, well, it would have been a, uh, a week ago when we put out the podcast talking about the England squad. It seems like Southgate does have that three at the back in mind, and he does want two options in pretty much every position at least. Um, so two right wing backs, two right centre backs, two central centre backs, and two left centre backs. And I think the, I think the form of Tyrone Mings and the injury to Harry Maguire means that those two players that I think will occupy, I think in his ideal scenario, to be honest, were occupying the left hand side in both a four and a three, that left sided centre back. Um, I think both both of them aren't viable options. I I don't think Maguire Maguire's not fit enough. He's clearly not fit enough. I mean, he hasn't played any minutes in the warm up games. He certainly won't be fit for Croatia. 
and I think it's really difficult to actually integrate a centre-back and get them some minutes even during the group stage tournament because you're not throwing on a centre-back to try and nick a goal you're not you're not kind of throw. you know whereas you can kind of see how if a winger was getting back from fitness you'd probably go yeah we'll give him 30 minutes because he could probably change the game um, unless we're trying to hold hold on to a lead I can't see us just throwing on a centre-back and that's not even the best way to to get him minutes and get him feeling comfortable in the squad anyway so I think Maguire's going to really struggle to break into the side and if he isn't fit for or even if he's not fit or he's just not um, able to make himself first choice for whatever reason just because he's coming back from injury so match fitness is gone then what's the point in having him but I think clearly the decision to take Ben White was a decision to compensate for that and also the fact that Ben White can play right back and centre back across any any of the centre back positions really just really comfortable on the ball he had a great game against Romania he he does this um, thing really well where if he if the striker's got their back to goal and is trying to receive the ball to feet he'll just nip in a, nip in around them get his foot in and then step out with the ball and start start an attacking move he's just so comfortable stepping out and such an aggressive defender in terms of like um, intercepting the ball um, so that was that was fabulous to see I think I think he's a great centre back. I'm happy he's in the squad because um, I think he's a he, he's an excellent centre back. And clearly, I think it was the decision that needed to be taken given the balance of the squad right now. But I do think if Southgate had planned his squad a little bit better, he wouldn't be needing to make these rescuing squad choices to compensate for the fact that he's picked players that aren't good enough and aren't fit enough. Mm. Yeah, that's it. If you look at sort of the decision with the context of the squad right now absolutely he's the right player to pick and the right player to call up but I kind of feel like yeah like you say it's poor planning from Southgate to not have had well to have to do this he should I don't know he should be he should be free to kind of I I don't know James Ward-Prowse say potentially a little unlucky to not get um, not be the name if Southgate had a planned ahead hadn't got Mings there, had maybe a Conza or a Tamori, we wouldn't be having this discussion. <laughs> It'll mm. be Wood Browse or someone being called up. It wouldn't be someone else who can play in centre-back. It kind of highlights Southgate's poor planning. I don't... I don't have major issues with Southgate as the England manager. There's obviously not not a, not a majority, but there's quite like a fairly vocal chunk of people who don't think he should be the England boss. I I'm not his biggest fan, but this really it just it shows it, it it's a very bad mark on his record. I think it's quite quite amateurish to not plan that far ahead, hmm. just not actually think about your squad in depth that much. It's almost like it, it, I don't know. It's like we 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 sit and write out our ideal squads and stuff. We're not the England manager and it's like if even we've thought about those issues like surely surely he's considered it somewhere or or has a coach who goes like Gareth like <laughs> you need to do this yeah. uh, it, it is it is concerning because I do think I think the concern is how reliant we seem to be on Harry Maguire's fitness and I don't think that we need to be that reliant on his fitness because I think that if we had a fully integrated Tamori um, say in the in the squad, having been a part of a couple of call ups previously, I don't think we'd be worried about Maguire's fitness. I think we'd say no, we've got we've got a, a really talented centre back 
that can come in and, and play instead of him. But we're only really concerned about Maguire's fitness because our secondary options are Tyrone Mings and Connor Cody, and they're not good enough. But I, I think there's better centre-backs. I think he just needs to be braver and pick them earlier so that they're actually able to have played with the squad before. Because I understand not wanting to take players that haven't been a part of one of your squads before. But make sure that your best players have had minutes for England in the lead-up to a tournament. There's no excuse for Tomori not having any minutes, particularly given how weak we are at centre-back. And I know you're a big fan of uh, Esri Konza as well, and I think that would be a perfectly legitimate option as well. But I, I said, and I, I put up a little bit of a thread on our Twitter talking about some of this, so do go check that out if you're interested. But I think if he had taken someone like Luke Ayling, who can play right wing-back, right-back, right centre-back in a three, centre-centre-back in a three, as well as right and left centre-back in a four. I don't think he takes White, because I think he is happy that he's got that cover there and Ayling can just move across and become an option at centre-back. And then you take Ward-Prowse, and then that helps us not be so light in midfield, because we do look really light in midfield as well, in terms of the options that we've got there. So... I, I, I do think it was poor planning. I think it's an absolutely fine decision under the circumstances that Southgate has sadly orchestrated himself into. He could have done a lot better. Absolutely. And you, you're saying about the light midfield. With Henderson sort of... Well, his, his fitness, we, we don't know if he's going to be fit. Um, if, if Rice or Phillips gets a knock, mm. gets an injury, I'd be really concerned. Because mm. we, we, at that point, we have one fit central midfielder in the squad. Yeah, it's really. It's I know. I know. Well, defensive midfielder. I, we've yeah. got Bellingham and Mount can play. Or well, Bellingham is a centre mid, but Mount can play there. I would be really concerned if we only had one fit defensive midfielder. Yeah, it, w- it would be concerning because, as you say, there there are games where Henderson can almost be the deeper midfielder. Um, even though I think he's a better eight, but I think, oh. I think he is a better eight, but I think you lose a lot from what he provides as an eight if you play him as a six. But there are games where that would be um, appropriate. But yeah, and I think given the fact that Phillips has clearly struggled with his shoulder a bit, I don't know exactly what the situation is with that at the moment. It is very likely that someone like Henderson's not ready or aggravates his injury. Phillips goes over funny on his shoulder. And then, as you say, yeah, we're, we're, down, to, we're down to Rice and Bellingham, which, to be honest, isn't, isn't a terrible... A terrible pivot at all under certain circumstances I think it would be a little bit a little bit loose and, and in some of the the tougher games but at the same time we are that that is relying very heavily on a 17 year old Jude Bellingham who I think will have a great tournament but I don't think needs to be playing every minute of football I don't think that would be wise for his development his confidence and his fitness as well to be honest with you I yeah. think when you're young no I'd be surprised if he doesn't end up starting one at least one of the group stage games to be honest I think he's probably going to surprise quite a lot of people because I guess there's very much a, a I, I mean I'm guilty of it there's a Premier League centric attitude of most English fans it's like by far and away the Premier League's the league I watch the most but there's a lot of fans who will never have seen Jude Bellingham kick a ball mm. and will I think will be quite surprised at what a real talent he is because he's played I'm not sure how many games for Dortmund this season he's been involved it's not just that he's been there as a youth player who's sort of been in and around the team he is a Borussia Dortmund squad player at 17 it's like he's so talented and I really think it could be a very much like 
almost he he's the breakout star really because it's kind of even the other young players like I felt I think Phil Foden will probably have a strong tournament um, mount as well they're sort of they're already known mm. there it's definitely he's he's the only real one in the squad who I don't know fans don't know that much about and I think he'll be very impressive because he is a really talented footballer yeah I think I think what would possibly surprise fans um, fans of England and I, I think you're completely right I think people will be maybe a little bit naive to to what it is that Bellingham does not everybody I think certain people will be very aware or at least have watched him in the Champions League um, mm. but Jude Bellingham's actually got more minutes this season than Phil Foden I think I uh, Bellingham's at around 1,700 minutes across 29 games and I think Foden's down at about 1,600 minutes in 28 games so if, you, if you're impressed with how Foden's developing and the sort of impact he's made across the minutes he's had for Manchester City this season you, you'd, be, you'd be really impressed with what Bellingham's managed to do uh, in, in a very different, different role um, but for, for Dortmund and as you say he's been a really, a really bright spark in what has been quite a difficult season for Dortmund. Although they managed to get Champions League football in the end, but it wasn't looking likely for a while. Um, but yeah, he's an excellent player, so I am excited to see him play. He's he's one of those where you sort of you're really willing him to have a good tournament, and you wanna you wanna see him on the pitch. I think we've got quite a few players like that where you're just really excited to see what they can do. So yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing him. Bit concerned about the the depth of midfield, but I think the options we have there are really strong. What we do have. So, should we go on and talk about, well, England's group, I guess, first, yeah. So, Group yeah. D. So, it's, so yeah, uh, England, Scotland, uh, the Czech Republic, and Croatia. Mm. Um, for me, I think England will top the group, uh, and Croatia coming through second. I'd be quite surprised if Scotland or the Czech Republic came second, regardless of whether it's England or Croatia who were to drop out. I think... If well, I mean, if England didn't make it through, that would be potentially the biggest underperformance and failure of an England side ever, which is really quite saying something given the England failures <laughs> we've yeah. had across the years. I, th- I mean, to be honest, I think even coming coming second in that group, that would not be a positive thing for me. I know, I, I I'm not I'm not someone who kind of likes the attitude of. Oh, if we finish second, we might get a slightly easier run through the tournament, though. If you want to win the tournament, you have to beat the good teams. It's how it works. You're going to have to play them sooner or later. Whoever that team is, you're concerned of. Whether you play them in the final or the round of 16, if you get knocked out, you get knocked out. It doesn't matter. Um, I just, I, I'm very much like England should top that group. I potentially, I probably wouldn't be too surprised if we beat Croatia in the Czech Republic and ended up losing to Scotland just because they're <coughs> they'll be very up for it in a way that I don't know whether England will be There's, it's a very much a Scotland, as a Sunderland fan I always describe Scotland as sort of that Scotland to England is like Middlesbrough to Sunderland or Middlesbrough to Newcastle they kind of, they care a lot more about us than we do them it's there, they're very up for it and it's great when, when, when we lose when we lose those games I'm no more asked about it than I am when we lose to anyone and when we win, it's great because they're all gutted and have been really up for it and devastated. And there's there's nothing better in football than like the 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 sadness of the opposition when you've beaten them. It's just the best feeling when you see those away fans like walking out of the stadium, 
couple of kids in tears. It's like inject it to my veins. The magic, the, <laughs> the magic of the game. It's what it's all about. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I I think it's quite important that we got off to a good start against Croatia because, as you say, I think that added that added dynamic to the Scotland game can just can just throw things to the wind a bit or kind of understanding of what you'd expect to happen can go out the window and I could very much see us getting a draw against Croatia or something and then losing to Scotland and then suddenly the Czech Republic's a must-win game and that makes things really difficult you kind of want to be going to that Czech Republic game knowing full well that you've got what you need so I think it, it would be quite important to be going into that Scotland game already with three points against Croatia because then I think we've beaten the the most difficult team in the group on paper and I think it just takes the pressure off everything else a little bit but I think it, it's not going to be easy I think Croatia are really a really good side they've got a really nice um, midfield unit uh, they're sort of they, they chop and change a little bit between playing a like midfield diamond or a 4-2-3-1 and they've got that, that kind of midfield unit of Modric, Kovacic and Brozovic um, and then they've got really quick wingers in Perisic and Orsic um, so I think it, they're going to try and transition quite quickly get Modric on the ball to kind of ping balls out wide quickly to those wingers and try and get them behind us um, so I can see us kind of being quite happy just sitting off a little bit um, so I do think we will end up playing the three uh, but we can talk a little bit more about what that means in due course but um, it, won't, it, it won't be an easy game they're a slightly ageing side Croatia but I think still got yeah. an abundance of they've got ability. A, it's a very similar squad to the squad they had at the World Cup, which beat us. Um, which obviously they beat us. Like I'm not, they're, they're not pushovers. It's not going to be an easy game. But they've got that squad. It's the, they're all three years older. Um, Modric, especially, who is obviously their standout player, Ballon d'Or winner, excellent player whether you think he deserved that Ballon d'Or or not. Like, one of the best centre midfielders in the world in his prime. Um, he is 35 now, though, and he's actually well, he's played 35 games for Madrid in the league, so almost all of them, and I think 48 in total across the season, which is a lot for a 35-year-old. And I know he's not necessarily the most overly sort of active, sprinting box-to-box player, um, but he's also not a I don't know, he's not stand there and don't move much, just sort of keep things ticking over. He's he that that could be an issue for them, having keeping Modric fit and keeping Modric playing. Because he has played well, he's, he's thirty five and he's played most games for Madrid for the past ten odd years or whatever, whenever he transferred there. I mean, yeah, I would be a little concerned if for as if I were a Croatia fan, um about how many games Modric is going to be able to play I think he, he obviously starts against England no question um, but after that game do you then get into the question of right which which games do we want to start him for which is never it's not a conversation you want to be having about your best player like if we were sat here talking about Kane going oh we've got to start him against Croatia but then which of the Czech Republic and Scotland are we going to start him against I'd be concerned yeah I think I think it's one of those where Modric could end up having a poor tournament and I think people would say oh he's, he's dipped in form whereas in reality it would just be that he, the 
the sheer number of minutes has just caught up to his legs and he just can't quite quite play at that intensity but then again I guess international football can suit that kind of languid style sometimes like he can he probably have quite a lot of time on the ball a lot of teams aren't going to yeah. be too aggressive in the press um, it'll be difficult to break teams down but he'll have probably a lot of time so maybe he will just be able to actually conserve his fitness himself just kind of manage how involved in the game he is so that'll be interesting to see he's clearly an intelligent player mm. he, he like he, he's played nearly 400 games for Real Madrid like he he knows mm. how to handle himself as you say yeah, absolutely absolutely um, on Scotland other than the rivalry what, what are we thinking about them are you particularly worried about what they offer um not Overly, I feel they've been playing that um, three uh, three at the back, haven't they? And they, it's they've got one traditional centre back in that. They play Tierney as the left centre back, and they've been playing uh, McTominay as the right centre back, haven't they? Um, that could that that obviously Tierney and McTominay are very good players. But they're not centre backs. They're mm. they're the, McTominay's a very good defensive midfielder. Tierney's a very good left back. I'm sure they can play there well, but you have a risk when you play a player mm-hmm. in a position that he doesn't play for his club. Um, yeah, you just have that risk that they'll be caught out. I'm not. I'm not overly worried. I kind of the the only I from a tactical sense, England should have absolutely no problems. Um, neither should Croatia really uh, it's just the kind of the attitude of being very up for it um, against England that I'm a little concerned about because it's kind of it is those games that we tend to bottle it's just standard England you, you kind of get it <laughs> it's, uh, the, mm. it, it happens it happens if we but that's it if we won two games lost to Scotland and Scotland don't qualify no one will care it won't be talked about that like England lost to Scotland won't be talked about even after the group stages it'll mm. just be gone with the wind yeah absolutely yeah I, what, are, what are your thoughts I think I think that I think that Tierney is a perfectly able centre back particularly in a three but I think the concern for whether he'll get exploited is the tactical decision of basically him overlapping Andy Robertson a lot um, obviously he's going to bomb on so that can leave a lot of space so if we're smart about it I think we can hit them down that side quite nicely because they will push up very high and then I guess as, as you say McTominay is he going to get drifted like sort of is he going to drift forward a little bit too much is he going to get caught out of position um, just because he's not quite used to playing that role consistently I don't know um, we'll see um, and then as well they've got um, they've got Armstrong in the midfield who plays at Southampton really nice ball carrier exciting player but I'm not sure he's perfect for a pivot role so we'll see how how many minutes he gets there is Gilmore going to play I'd like to see him get some minutes just in in terms of the tournament in general I think it'd be nice to see Billy Gilmore uh, progress as a player I think it's about time Definitely. and then and then Che Adams as well up front who's just sort of declared his allegiance uh, to Scotland and he's a really nice player at uh, Southampton as well lot of work off the ball I think if he can drop a little bit deeper start pulling some strings and get I think I think he's likely to be the one that's going to create something for them so we'll we'll see whether that that comes to pass but they're they're no they're no um, pushovers I think they're 
they've mm. got some really good players and an interesting system and I do think they will be dangerous because they have got some some phenomenal talent um, so we'll see what happens there no it's a game where I would definitely even though he's not had a good season um, I would definitely start Sterling because I think he's the best I don't know traditional winger that we have really making those runs in behind put him on that right wing um, as you say with Robertson and Jenny who are both great players but are definitely very much attack minded um, if they're pushing up we could definitely have someone like Sterling nipping in behind and exploiting that for sure mm. the Czech Republic any any worries about them do you think again they're a very they're that sort of they're, they're obviously a very physical side which I think potentially suits England as well because the, the, the players are all they can handle that <laughs> it's like they're professional footballers they can handle a physical side yeah but absolutely I, I, again I don't think we should lose no I don't I don't think we should I think I think they're they are a very physical side but also I think probably don't underestimate the flair that they have as well I think they have some pretty pretty good players um I mean that pivot of Suchek and Krau is pretty pretty exciting, pretty difficult to get past, and also Suchek. He's a great player. Yeah, he's a great player on the ball as well. Um, so I think he can offer a goal threat. Uh, and then Sufal at right back, he's going to push up, try and cause some problems. And they got they got Stick leading the line, and I'm going to butcher this name as well, but Holschleck um, is a <laughs> yeah. is a young young striker that can come off the bench as well. Who I'm really excited to see. I hope he gets the minutes as well, just in general, because I think he's going to be uh, a great a great player to watch. So again, they they've got they've got ability and they can hurt you if they manage to sort of get on the ball and get their good players in the right positions. If if Sufal can push up down that right hand side and uh, get on the ball, you know, I think we've seen for West Ham this year that he's a real threat with his delivery. Uh, Stick is a, a, a very good nine, particularly in tournament football. He's going to put himself about a lot, and then Suchek as well, arriving from deep. So. Again, it's the sort of game that you could see us losing if we're not careful. So we've got to be really disciplined. Uh, but again, we should obviously be winning that game. I think it's easy to overthink some of these games sometimes mm. and uh, give the opposition a bit too much credit. But there's some there's some great teams there. Uh, so that's not going to be an easy group. But I think we both agree that we should probably be topping it and progressing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So on to on to ideal lineups. I think we both know Southgate's going to play a 3-4-3 or a 4-2-3-1 because that's that's how we've set up uh for the past year we're not we're not going to deviate away from that. Ideally, I'd probably have liked to see us trying a 4-3-3 with a single pivot with Henderson ideally. I don't it's obviously not fe- <laughs> it's not feasible for this tournament, but I'd have again I'd have quite liked to see that planning because I think the four-two-three-one. I kind of I have this worry that he's going to play Henderson and Rice together, which I don't know. Against the France is necessary. Two defensive midfielders, absolutely fine. But I don't know against against the not so strong opposition. We don't need that. We don't need such defensive players. And I I really rate. Henderson's sort of his um, turning over of possession and spreading it quite quickly. Always, always a very intelligent player at knowing when to attempt the sort of Steven Gerrard pass and when to just do the standard passing it sideways. 
but I, I would be a little concerned. I get, well, not not concerned, just a little worried about where the goals are going to come from. Where the where that that seems like a very big gap between that sort of Henderson and Rice, and then the the front three and Kane. Yeah, I think the I don't I don't mind to be honest if we play. Rice slash Phillips and Henderson because I think Henderson can offer a lot higher up the pitch as well um, and he would play as one of the eights in a Liverpool midfield three and I don't think there's there's any issue with that I think he would facilitate playing uh, more aggressive fullbacks uh, he would facilitate us having more of our exciting attacking players in Mount, Foden, Grealish on the pitch at the same time um, if you're playing a double pivot like that so I don't mind it but I I, I do agree I think you want to see someone um, perhaps a little bit more exciting but I don't know I don't know who that is we don't really have the options in the squad because I don't think you can play I don't think you can play Rice, Mount and Foden in a midfield three Uh, I don't don't, so if you're not I think Henderson is a nice middle ground between playing one of those really attacking players uh, in a deeper position and playing Phillips and Rice together so I do think that's probably the best option I guess we can play Bellingham um, which I guess is probably what you're advocating for you're, you're, you're a big fan of a big fan of him and so am I but on that note when it when it comes to you picking your ideal starting lineup for Croatia or just in general what are the general sort of principles what are the general sort of priorities that you put on yourself when selecting the formation and the personnel so there are a few players who are without a question in the lineup you pickford he starts we we agree on that that's something that um southgate fortunately also agrees on kane up front i don't think just one striker I don't think there's another player in the squad really who would play very well with Kane up front to be honest it's then the question so it's then the question of who is either side of Kane really because I think if, if it's the 4-2-3-1 I think as a 10 we'll probably have Mount there but it's those those wing options um, for me Grealish has to start he's the most creative player England have he's just a great footballer to watch and he's a proper bastard as well when you if if you're if you're playing against him you hate him and absolutely justified he he he's just a horrible player to play against but to have him on your team is great i'm really looking forward to kind of that that attitude that he brings on that right hand side i'm a little torn because so if we if we're playing a 3 at the back then we've obviously got i think probably trippier as the right wing back, probably Shaw. I think Shaw's going to start left wing back or left back because um, he's he's had a very good season for United, which almost it, not so much anymore, but went quite unnoticed for the first half, two thirds of the season, and then it kind of everyone started spotting his stats and going like, "Wow, actually Shaw's having like a really really good season." On that right hand side, though, ideally Foden or Sancho, but. If we're playing a four, the fullbacks aren't going to be as attacking, and I feel like we need we need someone who's going to run in behind. And I think again, even though he's probably not had a great season, that's probably Sterling, potentially Rashford. We're just because 
so so my my Southgate prediction for three four three it would be Pickford, Walker, Stones, Maguire, uh, Trippier, Henderson, Mount, Shaw, and then Sterling or Rashford, Kane, Grealish. And I think we need that pace because if we if you swap that right winger to Foden or Sancho, who are both excellent players and both had good seasons as well, I think that that even though those are all very good players in that front three that's a very slow front three and we kind of it'll be when we've got a goalkeeper with Pickford's ability on the ball as well and he can his passing's great he, he, if we're building from the back that's great but he he can ping it miles and and very very accurately as well he's one of those he's one of those players if he wasn't a keeper he would still be playing in the Premier League but outfield I, I kind of feel like we would be wasting a potential attacking plan by not having someone who can benefit from that just because that shouldn't be the tactic they obviously the tactic for the game shouldn't be pass the ball to Pickford and then he'll hoof it long but there's there's a there's a difference between who like just hoof ball and a, a well-timed intelligent counter-attack behind running in behind and I don't think without a Sterling or a Rashford starting regardless of them not having great seasons respectively I just don't think we have that I think we're really lacking that yeah, I think I think the choice of wide players is going to be dictated by the opposition um, in terms of... And also that will dictate kind of the formation as well, I think, at times. Uh, well, obviously it will. But if we're coming up against a team that's sitting really, really deep, then you're probably going to want your, your likes of Sancho and Grealish um, who are going to be able to get on the ball and make something happen if you think there's an opportunity to counter-attack you'd probably rather someone like Sterling trying to get in behind um, the problem I slightly have is that the games that we're going to try and counter-attack in are probably going to be against those better teams where we're going to play the three at the back and my concern with that is that you then end up playing the three at the back to keep yourself defensively solid with then the quick wide players trying to get in behind on the counter-attack and we're going to have that problem where we can't connect back to front as you say we can go along with Pickford but we're not going to have because we don't have a number 10 someone to drop off take the ball turn and move it into the wide areas and progress it we're, we're going to end up having let's say for the sake of argument Sterling and Rashford completely isolated not being able to actually get on the ball so actually when you play the 3-4-3, that's the sort of game where you'd want to have your quick wide players trying to get in behind. But the 3-4-3 needs to have someone like Grealish, who's going to drop in as one of those wide players, get on the ball, and yeah. then turn and make things happen. So maybe it is a case of playing one or the other. Uh, sorry, sorry, one on one side, someone like Grealish on the left, and then someone like Sterling on the yeah. right. But Sterling hates playing on the right wing. You could play Rashford there, but again, he prefers the left. Um, and also Rashford as quick as he is doesn't really try and get in behind that much even he prefers to get the ball to feet and then dribble at people so I do think that's a concern and I think basically it's going to mean that you kind of need to start Sterling on one side he prefers the left hand side so does he go there and does that yeah. mean that Grealish doesn't get that many minutes I, I think that's probably what's going to end up happening and then you end up rotating between Rashford Sancho and um Foden for the right wing spot yeah. um, and I think that will probably probably happen and maybe Grealish is just going to be an option 
off the bench in the left position, but also maybe will compete with Mount for the 10 spot if we play a 4-2-3-1. Yeah, it's, it's tough, isn't it? Because, like, like I say, for me, Grealish is England's best creative player. But then that raises the question, with Grealish, say Grealish, we'll call it Sterling. Grealish on the left, Sterling on the right. Is that as a pair, even though... Grealish is a better player than Foden or um, what's Sancho. Is is uh, as a combo? Would we look better with Sterling on the left and then Foden or Sancho on the right? Because that's where they play. And I think potentially, which, like you say, could mean Grealish almost unfairly, but it's just how the game works. Mm-hmm. Won't get as many minutes as he probably <clears throat> deserves. He probably, I think. In that 10 role, Mount, for me, is the first choice. He's had an excellent season. The The biggest compliment I can give to Mason Mount is that he looked like a really good footballer under Frank Lampard, <laughs> um, who neither of us <laughs> are particularly big fans of. Uh, we could ramble for hours purely about Frank Lampard. We could do a Frank Lampard special. But we won't. <laughs> no, it would just be you getting really angry for an hour. For, for the sake of the listeners, we will not do that, at least yet. But if you really want it, request it, and maybe we will. <laughs> but yeah, no, so I, I think Mount's there as well. Because having him in that 10, you can switch the formation without making any subs, because he's a very competent central midfielder. And I know Grealish has played there in the past, but he not, not recently, um, and not... Not certainly not recently at a high level, uh, which is what we'd want him for. E- even though in a in a ten, he and Mount are probably fairly well matched. They're both great players. It could just be, yeah, he could just miss out as a result of sort of the other players in the squad rather than of a lack of ability himself because he's obviously a great footballer. A hundred percent. I think tactically for the balance of the squad he probably is going to end up just not starting and I think people are then going to get on Southgate's back because why aren't you playing the most talented football player but it just doesn't quite work and I don't I'm going to be a little bit sympathetic to Southgate there's a fair argument to say someone that good you should be building your team around and he should just be in the team full stop and you make it work but I understand that Southgate's got a lot of talent He's got a particular way that he feels is the best for England to get something out of the tournament. And that's that's what he's going to try and do. And unfortunately, that means that someone in Grealish just might not quite quite fit all the time. I think in the games where he does fit, I think you've got you've got to, you've got to play him. But yeah, he, he might just end up losing out. Um, on, on Mount, obviously, I think his off-the-ball defensive work just makes him an absolute must in any formation. Are you comfortable with him playing in that double pivot in a 3-4-3 given that when Chelsea um, have switched to that he tends to play as one of the front three off wide but more as like a 3-8 coming inside a lot I'm not sure whether Tuchel would play him alongside Jorginho or you know in that in that Kovacic role I'm not sure if he would do you think Southgate will? I think he probably will simply because of how light we are in midfield as well your other option I would not absolutely would not play 
two defensive midfielders in that formation, I think that will be fairly unforgivable because that means we have, out of the 11 players on the pitch, we would have three attack-minded players, mm -hmm. which simply isn't good enough for a team that are... I mean, we, we are one of the favourites. If you, if you take away the <laughs> the standard England bottling everything, mm. everything ever, every football team I follow bottling everything, it's my fault, really. <laughs> I, I, it, well, you can't. There isn't a team in the tournament, even a France, I would be pretty disappointed if we lined up with that because that just it says we are sitting back and I know I know the three at the back is quite an attacking formation I think that's something that I've said for quite a while now but it's kind of the past few years it's really become a much more common pick for a lot of sides a lot of sides have started to switch to it because the benefits and it's kind of I quite like that it's Start, it's kind of within the media it's sort of it started being talked about as a three as opposed to it being a five because it's really not a five those 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 wing backs are not traditional full backs they're far more attacking but to have like two de defensive midfielders I'd not I would not be okay with that I think Bellingham would probably be a very good option because he's he's so box to box he's such a, there isn't another player in the squad who does what he does um, he, he's obviously not the best sentiment in the squad I don't think but he's a very unique player he's the only real I don't know he's the only real proper like box to box I know Henderson is an 8 and, and a very good very good player but he's not quite I, I, he's not quite in our box and then in the opposition's box like 30 seconds later in a way that Bellingham can be but I don't think I don't think I don't think Bellingham would get the nod because he's not started enough or sort of played enough. I don't think Southgate would play him. Whether whether that's right or the right decision or not, I just don't think it'll happen. And because of the other central midfield options or lack thereof, I do think Mount will probably start in that midfield too. Fair enough. I think I think if you're playing the the three four three. As it tends to be played, as you say, it's, it's increased in popularity recently because it is just, I think a lot of new managers come in and play it because it just offers so much solidity at the back. You can uh, you can defend with five players, you can attack with five players and that tends to be the kind of the process. But the five that are defending are the three defenders and the two midfield players. Um, that's how the system tends to work within the fullbacks offering the width while the two wide inside forwards in the front three tuck inside so if he goes through that approach then what you basically want is a very traditional six alongside a box to box eight at best or like a conservative eight um, so if he does that then I think our best our best option or most natural option would be Rice with Bellingham if you play Mount then you actually you're actually kind of getting into Bielsa territory. You're playing a 3-3-1-3, essentially, um, with the first three obviously being the three centre-backs, the next three being the wing-backs and the six, and then the one being a sort of advanced eight or ten, um, and then the front three, uh, the wide players and the, the nine. Because you need to then, because Mount is just, He's, he's a more attacking player you need to get him up the pitch creating so he kind of then fulfills that and if he does that then I think you can't play Rice because Rice in a lone pivot essentially is what that is going to be and he's very pressable he 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 will lose the ball 
So I think if that is the case, then you have to start Phillips, who is very comfortable playing in a single pivot. And I, I don't think that's a terrible idea. I think that does allow you to make sure Mount's still on the pitch while not having to play him in one of the wide positions. So I'd be happy with that, as long as that's Southgate's thinking. If it's, let's play Mount in the pivot and have him sit deep and basically play as a six, then that's foolish because that's not going to work. But if he's playing him in the pivot and giving him the freedom to get forward while the, the, the player alongside him sits deep and screens, then I think it could work. Definitely, yeah. What, so what, what is it that you think Southgate's going to do against Croatia on Sunday? What, what's, your, what's your predicted lineup for him? I can't quite decide if he's going to line up with a three or a four. Before these two most recent friendlies, I would probably have assumed a three. But we've played a four in both of them. I think that's potentially a bit quite telling. I don't think Southgate's the sort of manager who would have played a four to throw them off the scent and then switch to a three. He could well be. I, I could eat those words, but I don't. I don't think that's the sort of manager he is. Sort of playing those mind games. I think he's very much just. I'm going to play my football and see what happens. So I think we'll probably line up with that four-two-three-one. Um, okay. So the back four, Walker at right back, Stones being the centre-back, Shaw at left back, and I can't... Obviously, if he's fit, it would be Maguire, but he's he's not going to be fit. He might be fit at some point in the tournament, absolutely not fit to start against Croatia. Even if he was fit enough to be in the squad, I wouldn't want him starting. He's not played football for however long. I don't know who is going to play there. I was a little concerned before these friendlies that it was going to be a Mings or a Cody because that, that that's that's why they're there they're left footed he wants it so they can turn over possession and build from the back um, I don't think it will be either of them uh, it won't it won't be white um, even though that would not wouldn't be the worst I wouldn't be concerned if we had Stones and White as the centre backs um, but I, I think because he's been called in late it's quite clear that that won't be what happens and I can't remember. There's another centre back in the squad who, who I'm completely forgetting. I'm sure. I don't think you are forgetting anyone. Oh, am I not? Is that oh? Is that all of them? It's Stones, Stones, Maguire, Mings, Cody, White. Yeah, I don't. I would probably choose White out of those players because um, I would have had him in the squad before. I would have had Cody or Mings. I don't think Southgate will do that, as as evidenced by he he didn't bring him. That wouldn't wasn't part of his plan before. Like Trent getting injured, I don't think has changed how Southgate's starting lineup will be for the Croatia game, and I think Mings has been so poor. I think it probably will end up being Cody because I don't. I I just I I can't see him being able to justify starting Mings. I'm, I think well, I don't really know about that. The the two we might you know we might end up playing three four three just because of who's fit because that kind of that the two defensive midfield roles I don't I don't necessarily see him playing Rice and Phillips together I would quite like seeing Rice and Bellingham but I don't really back him to start Bellingham and then that front three I think we'll probably end up with um, Sterling Mount Grealish and Kane ahead of them obviously what are your okay. thoughts on the centre back situation, particularly? Well, I think I think the the stumbling over 
who would start as the left centre back and who would start in the double pivot in the four two three one is enough evidence to say that he's definitely going to play the three. I just I, I can't see a way around it. Yeah. Because I so I think it's going to be Pickford in goal. I think Walker is the right centre back. Yeah. Cody sure. as the central centre back and Stones as the left centre yeah. back. Um, with then probably Trippier as the right wing back. Uh, Luke Shaw as the left wing back the pivot will then be I I have a sneaky suspicion he is going to play Rice and Phillips I just think they've played together too often for it to not be something he's genuinely considering but that would mean not playing Mount and I don't think he's not going to play Mount so I think he probably will mistakenly play Rice and Mount I think if you're going to play Mount I think you should play Phillips but um, I understand that Rice has made himself a very valuable member of the squad and he is an excellent player um, so I think it will probably be Rice and Mount um, with then I think Sterling is going to start on the left Kane through the middle and then I think I think it will be I'm going to say he's going to play Foden so I think it will be Foden, Not Kane, Grealish. Sterling no I don't think he'll start Grealish I think Grealish will play I think he'll come off the bench um, and he'll probably do well, and everyone will say Southgate should have started Grealish. What a mistake! But I don't think it. I don't think it quite makes sense to do that. Um, I think he'll play Mount in the pivot to compensate for the fact that Grealish isn't playing, so that Mount can connect the back to front uh, and progress the ball through midfield. Sterling will then look to get in behind a lot on the left hand side and then Foden can vary that a bit Foden's happy to come central he's happy to drop off he's also happy to try and get in behind so I think he's the most complete wide player um, that we have just someone that can do a bit of everything I I could see him playing Rashford there but I think given the fact that Rashford's clearly not been completely fit he doesn't really like playing on the right hand side and he likes to drop deep a lot and get the ball to feet and then turn and dribble at people rather than getting behind I think he'll probably opt for someone that's a little bit different and I don't think Sancho's shown enough in an England shirt to justify getting the starting lineup pick even though I think Sancho is probably he competes with Grealish for I think being the most creative English player um, he's, have a, he, he's had a fantastic couple of seasons in the Bundesliga but I don't think he's quite offered enough linking up with whoever it is that's playing at right back for England because he, he's done so well at um, at Dortmund linking up with Guerrero down the left hand side and I I mean against Romania he had Godfrey to play with so that wasn't particularly ideal I think he'll do better if he's got someone like Reese James or Kieran Trippier but um, hopefully he'll get that option I mean what, what 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 a fantastic situation to be in when we can bring on Sancho and Grealish so um, I do think that that's yeah. probably how it'll go I think if we were to play the four then I think I think you would have to play White as the other centre-back I'm not sure you could play Cody or Mings he'd probably play Mings but I, I don't think Mings's form is good enough Cody can't looks really poor in a two White has obviously played in a two before so I think that would make the most sense um, and then yeah I think you're right you'd have to yeah. play Bellingham alongside uh, Rice or you'd have to play Rice and Phillips um, which is also yeah. uh, an option and I think it's definitely something that Southgate sees as an option um, I just don't think the way he does it is that he pushes Phillips up higher and I just don't think Phillips is right to do that um, Phillips is a really really good holding midfield player and I don't really 
other than getting his pressing ability higher up the pitch I don't really see why you'd do it um, so because I just don't think he's creative enough to kind of do the box to box role um, and he's not a good enough ball carrier really although he's comfortable on the ball but mostly passing but yeah I think that's I think that's probably the England rundown isn't it unless you've got anything else to add no I think that's just about covered everything I've kind of <laughs> convinced myself when talking through that 4-2-3-1 mm. there definitely will be a 3 yeah no, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited yeah. for the game on Sunday. I'm a little gutted. I can't watch the Turkey-Italy game tonight because my bro- little brother's coming up to visit and he's not remotely into football. So we're going to end up in a Weatherspoons, which obviously doesn't show the football. Oh, dear. Which is a bit gutting, but I'll I'll live. He's go- I've told him I've told him 2 o'clock on... I, I can live with not watching the first few games. 2 o'clock on Sunday it's the England yeah. match so his train's coming at half one on Sunday <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll keep you updated on uh, the events tonight I'll be yeah. I'll be live texting you <laughs> on what's happening in Turkey Italy um, no it'll be a good game the The last thing I'll say then for that England game against Croatia um, score prediction Ooh. I wouldn't be overly surprised at a draw but I, I'm going to back us I'm going to go I think I've got a sneaky suspicion that that Pickford could end up with the Golden Glove, just because I think we'll probably stay in the tournament till about the se- at least the semi-finals. We, that might get cut out and like played over and over again, humiliatingly. Just that little <laughs> clip when we get knocked out in the group stages. But I'm I'm gonna back. I'm gonna go two 0 because I think I I think we'll probably be all right. I th- I, I think we've got. We should be fairly solid in defence. We, I, I'm not overly concerned, but we'll see what happens. What about you? Yeah, I've, I'm torn between a one-one draw and a one-nil England win. But yeah, let's uh, let's back the boys. One-nil England. It's coming home and all yeah. that. <laughs> Brilliant. There we go. So we both fancy England. So all that's left to do is say goodbye, I guess. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. Do go and check out the other. A Euros preview that we put out yesterday if you haven't already hopefully you find this one interesting and that one interesting hopefully you've learned something hopefully it'll give you a few things to watch let us know yeah. what you think of our, our team picks um, what you think is going to happen yeah check us out on social media uh, it's at EAFC underscore podcast I think I got that right brilliant <laughs> and we'll be back after the first game week offering a little bit of a review of what's happened a little bit again of a preview of what's to come and we'll get I think in in those episodes because we're going to do that after every game week we'll probably get a little bit more in depth into particular games and what we think is going to happen in certain matchups and stuff so that should be a lot of fun when they when they come around I think there'll be shorter episodes probably around about 30 minutes so should be should be nice and easy to digest for you anything to add Cal? no just thanks for listening and <laughs> please come back and <laughs> listen yeah. to the next one yeah that's brilliant yeah thank you very much for listening to this one and uh, we'll let you know when the next podcast is in your player Thank you very much. See you soon.